We're going to be in Acts chapter 19 tonight. If you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 19. Used to be, pre-COVID times, I would say, if your neighbor has a Bible and you forgot to bring yours, you can cuddle close to them and like read on theirs, but you can't really do that now. But the scriptures are going to be on the screen. Um, Acts chapter 19 is where we're going to be. I'm going to pray and we'll jump into it. Father God, thank you so much uh, for the, the, just the goodness of your word, the truth of your word. I pray that you prepare our hearts to receive it, that our hearts would be good soil. Good soil for your word to implant in and bear a harvest of faith, a harvest of righteousness in each of us. Holy Spirit, would you do what you please in the remainder of our time here tonight? God, would you speak only what you want spoken? Help me get out of the way of what you're wanting to do, what you're wanting to say, what you're wanting to communicate in the hearts and lives of students. God, we love you. Uh, Jesus be exalted. Jesus be magnified. Amen. Amen. So we're talking about names tonight. My name... Matthew means, anybody know? Matthew means gift from God. Gift from God is what Matthew means. Uh, my parents chose this name because uh, my mom had tremendous difficulty getting pregnant and, and keeping a pregnancy to term. Uh, so, so when I was finally born, and there was, there was a real praise the Lord moment, God, this is a gift that you've given us. I think that played a big role in choosing the name uh, Matthew. Um, my, again, my, my parents went through a lot of trouble trying to have kids, um, even, even to the point where, where uh, you know, when, when my mom was pregnant with me, uh, it seemed like there was some complications going on. She'd go to meet with her uh, OBGYN, and they'd do the blood tests and stuff, and they said, long story short, this baby's no good. It's going to have some, uh, you know, physical deformities, mental defects. Probably best to go ahead and get an abortion. You and your husband can try again. Um, you know, in, in that moment, of course, my mom devastated to hear that, uh, but also felt the voice of God just say, no, no, you're not going to do that. Um, and, and so she said, oh, well, we're going to keep this baby. We're going to love him, even with the deformities, even with the mental, mental, mental defects. Of course, praise the Lord. Uh, there's no, no mental defects, no major physical deformities, right? Praise the Lord. Yeah, thanks for that thumbs up. But uh, my parents chose the name Matthew, gift from God, gift from God. Our names means something. Names have power. That's what we're talking about tonight. Names have power. There's a reason your parents chose your names for you. It may just be that that name sounded cool, right? That's a valid reason, right? This name sounds cool. I think it's beautiful. I think it's wonderful. Um, names have power, though. Names, what we call things, what we call people, really matter. A lot of thought goes into what we name things. A lot of thought goes into what we name people, even pets. Right, that name came from somewhere. Um, you may say, my name doesn't mean anything cool. Well, that's okay. Your name still has value. Your name still has power. Your name is still meaningful because it's attached to you. You guys know the most beautiful word in any language that a person can hear is their own name. Right? That's the most beautiful sound to any person is hearing someone say their own name. Right? Do you guys like hearing your own name, especially when your own name is on the lips of like, Somebody that you care about, somebody that you love, right? When they, when they call your name, when they say your name, a name has power, right? Um, names also open doors for us, right? There's a saying, like in the corporate world, it's not what you know, but who you know. You guys heard that before. It's who you know, those connections, those names. Say, hey, man, I, I know the name of this person. Uh, I, I dropped this name. They reference this name, and it opens doors for me. Uh, maybe you guys have had a situation where it's like, maybe you knew just the right person's name to call out, and all of a sudden, oh, we didn't realize it was like that, and that changes the situation. Now, some people can do this too much, right? It gets annoying. We call these people name droppers. They're always talking about this. 
this person I know, that person I know, uh, it's too much, it's annoying, say, hey, don't do that. But still, the reason people do this is because names can open doors for you. Names can, can make a way for you. If you know somebody, and, and, and you can call on that name, and sometimes it makes all the difference, right? Knowing the right person to call on, knowing the right name. In our fairy tales and fantasy stories, names have power too, right? Sometimes a, a magical power even attached to names. You guys remember the story of Rumpelstiltskin, right? What's going on with this guy? Rumpelstiltskin, creepy guy, right? Super creepy guy, creep. But his deal was he'd like strike these terrible bargains and the only way out of it is if you could guess his name. And ain't nobody going to guess Rumpelstiltskin, right? That's a, that's a ridiculous name. Um, but, but there's a, like a magical power to that name, if you could guess his name and it break the whatever the bargain, and he, he, you, you get free from him or something like that. <laughs> um, you guys know about me and I'm a huge superhero comic book fan. Superman, uh, like one of the greatest heroes of all time. Superman, the superhero. He's got somebody like this too that annoys him. You guys have heard of, and maybe not. Uh, he's got this guy that bothers him called Mr. Mixias Pitalik. You guys know this guy? I'm seeing a lot of a lot of blank stares. There's this little tiny little. Uh, Imp, who's from another dimension, and he comes and he irritates Superman every so often, right? And so he, when this guy shows up, he, he just shows up. He's a magical dude. He's bothering Superman. Superman's trying to do his thing, save the city. And this guy, Mr. Mixius Pitalik, shows up, and he's so annoying. The only way to get rid of him is to make him say his name backwards, right? Some, some comic writer in the 40s or 50s came up with this idea, and it's absurd and it's ridiculous, but it's stuck. And so even in the cartoons and the comics, you still have this guy show up. And he's got a magical name. You begin to say his name backwards. He disappears. So in our fantasy stories, in our fairy tales, names have power. Your own name has power. But what we're talking about tonight, the power of names, one name in particular is the name of Jesus. right? That has supernatural power uh, above all else. We're going to talk about the name of Jesus and how this name completely transformed the city of Ephesus. And how it can transform our lives as well. Right? It's one thing to talk about what my name means, what your name means. Talk about how much we love to hear our own name. But there's nothing quite like the name of Jesus. Right? There's no, no other name that has totally transformed human civilization like the name of Jesus. There's no other name that is filled with so much supernatural power. We talk about you know, fairy tales and pretend things and magical power. But the name of Jesus has real supernatural power tied to that name. That's what we're talking about tonight. So we've been studying the New Testament book of Acts on Thursday nights. Um, it's wild now how far we've come from August to now. And of course, next week we'll wrap up this series. We've been studying the uh, book of Acts on Thursday nights and talking about finding our purpose through realizing that as believers we have been sent by God. Right? The series is called Sent and understanding that, uh, that you and I, and as followers of Jesus, have been sent by God. So in any situation you find yourself in, you are not there by mistake, you are not there by accident. God has you there for a purpose, right? He has sent you there for a reason and, and find a purpose and meaning in our lives, understanding that we've been sent by God there with a purpose. Two weeks ago, before the wellness break, we talked about the power that God gives us to be bold witnesses for Him when we're filled with His Holy Spirit. We read about Paul encountering some believers in the city of Ephesus, and when he finds these believers, he asks them a question. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we did not even know there was a Holy Spirit, right? And so he teaches them about the Holy Spirit. He prays for them to be baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. Of course, they are. The Bible tells us they speak in tongues and, and prophesy. God does a powerful work uh, there through them. And so in the text we're looking at tonight, 
We're going to continue to look at Paul's ministry there in the city of Ephesus. And we see how that city was completely turned upside down as people hear the gospel and begin to recognize the incredible power God has made available to them through the name of Jesus. And with that, the very culture of the city begins to shift. So let's take a look at it. It's Acts chapter 19. We're going to start in verse number 8. Acts 19, starting in verse 8. It says, Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. The way, capital W, way there was a, was a, a name for the movement of Christianity, right? Before, before the, the term Christians caught on quite in, in mass, and sometimes believers were called people of the way, capital W, way. So you have people speaking out against the way. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. Then he held daily discussions in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. Verse 10, this went on for the next two years so that people throughout the province of Asia, that's you know, modern-day Turkey, both Jews and Greeks heard the word of the Lord. So for two years, Paul preaches the gospel here in Ephesus. And gradually over time, over that time period, more and more people begin to believe on Jesus, right? Slowly over time, more and more people in the city begin to believe on Jesus, begin to follow Jesus. Luke continues in verse 11. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. Say unusual. Unusual. Verse 12. When handkerchiefs and aprons that merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. So Luke says that these miracles were unusual. Unusual. And, and by definition, any miracle is unusual, right? For, for a miracle is something that's supernatural it happens, right? Supernatural, above nature, it's unusual, it's strange, it can't easily be explained, but, but Luke makes a special distinction. This is an unusual miracle. This is not something they saw everybody doing, right? It wasn't like every Christian, you know, their handkerchief they wiped their brow with was touching people and healing them. And this is something special that God is doing to authenticate the message of the gospel that Paul is preaching. Jesus told his followers in the Gospels that certain supernatural signs would accompany those that believe in the preaching of God's Word. And so here you've got crazy supernatural signs confirming and that what Paul is saying is true. So a person that maybe hears Paul's preaching, hears about, okay, there's a Jewish guy uh, that, that, that he taught in Jerusalem and then he was publicly executed and killed, uh, but then he came back to life. That sounds like foolishness to me, Paul, but then I see a supernatural miracle and I'm like, hey, well, maybe there's something to it though, right? Like, it sounds absurd, the idea, you know, that I can, I can put my trust in this guy who died and raised from the dead and be made right with God. And, and I don't know if I, I quite believe on that, but I just saw you take your apron off and it was laid on, on a paralyzed guy and he stood up and walked, right? So something's going on, right? So, so there's some truth to this message. The people of the city begin to recognize there is tremendous power in the name of Jesus. The power to heal, to cast out evil spirits. And so we begin to see people start to use the name of Jesus, who aren't even Christians. That's wild. They just recognize that there's power in that name. And so they start using that name for themselves. And hey, there's power in the name of Jesus. Paul, Paul's preaching about Jesus, and we see miracles being done in the name of Jesus. I'm going to try that for myself, right? And that's what we see happen. Continuing on in verse 13. A group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. 
They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Verse 14. Seven sons of Sceva, the leading priest, were doing this. But one time they tried it, and the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. It didn't go well for them, right? And so these people are beginning to understand there's power in the name of Jesus. They start using it. He says they use it like an incantation, like a magic spell. Okay, so if I say in the name of Jesus, I notice that evil spirits don't like that, right? Like demons run away from this name. So we're going to start, start going around and casting demons and evil spirits out of people. And so you've got these guys were told they're sons of one of the top priests, one of the leading priests, this man named Sceva. His sons are going around saying, hey, this Paul's been preaching about this guy named Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we command you to leave. But this demon says, yeah, I know Jesus, of course. And I've even heard of Paul, but who are you? Who are you? And the evil spirit, that, you know, possessing the man, and jumps on them, shreds their clothes and beats them up and sends them running. It says battered and naked. The problem here is that even though the sons of Sceva recognized the power in the name of Jesus, they didn't have relationship with God through personal faith in Jesus. Because of that, the devil ate their lunch and humiliated them. What does that look like for us? You know, we've got people today that honor God with their lips, but the Bible says their hearts are far away. Right? They, they understand, they, they may say the right things, they may honor Jesus with what they say, they may have churchy language, but they don't have that personal relationship. And when it comes down to it, they're not going to be prepared for those situations because they don't have that personal relationship with God, right? They may say the right things, they may have respect for the things of God, but they don't know Him personally. Jesus we know, Paul we know, but who are you? The most important thing is not just that we obey God's law or that we work miracles in his name, the most important thing is that we know him. There's no substitute for knowing him, for having a relationship with him. That we put our trust in Jesus, what he did on the cross to save us and make us right with God, that we have a living, growing, thriving relationship with him through the Lord. These demons said, we know Paul, but we don't know you. Right? We've heard of Paul, we've heard of Jesus, we don't know you. Jesus tells us in Matthew 7 that one day, every single one of us is going to have to stand before God in judgment. Right? Whenever this is, or whenever your life on earth is over, there's going to come a day where I, or you, or every single human being will stand before God in judgment. And Jesus says, in that moment, it won't matter the miracles that you did in His name. It won't matter the rules that you followed to earn His approval. No, the entrance exam for heaven, it's a one-question entrance exam. Right? If you had to take an entrance exam to come here to the University of Memphis, right? Or you had to, to, to take some big tests uh, to enter into this class or enter into this program. Well, to get into heaven, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, it's a one-question exam. Super simple, right? It's do I know you or depart from me, I never knew you. Right? Jesus says on that day, some men and women will come before the Lord and say, God, I did all these miracles in your name. I did these powerful works in your name. And God will say, I don't know you. Depart from me, and you worker of lawlessness, right? So when, when we stand before God in judgment, the key thing is relationship. Relationship. Not just the miracles we've done in his name, but relationship. When we stand before God, can he say to us, son, daughter, you know, come and enter into your reward. I'm so glad you're here. 
Or will God take a look at us and say, I don't know you. I don't know you. And of course, God knows everybody. Right? But what he means there is we didn't have a relationship, right? That you may have talked about being a Christian. You may have said the name of Jesus. You may have said all the right things. But deep in your heart, their relationship just wasn't there. And it wasn't there for these sons of Sceva either. They didn't know God personally in that way. So I want to encourage you guys, man, as you're thinking about, man, do I have that relationship with God? Right? If tonight's my night, you know, and I stand before God in judgment, would he say, man, I'm so glad to see you. I'm so glad to see you. I love you. Enter into your rest uh, because, because I know you, because the relationship we have in Christ, or is it depart from me? I never knew you. The story of those sons of Sceva begins to spread throughout the city. And as it does, the entire culture begins to shift. People are terrified, right? Understandably so. Um, the culture begins to shift. People begin to have a reverence, a holy fear, and an honor for the name of Jesus. Like they already were starting to respect the name of Jesus. Well, now it's jumped up to 11, even more so. They're like, man, there is power in this name. Verse 17 continues. The story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them in a public bonfire. The value of these books was 50,000 drachmas, which would be several million dollars today. So the message of the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. So people start, are starting to really take Jesus seriously. They're like, okay, there is something to this Jesus guy that Paul's been preaching about. Um, there's supernatural stuff happening that we can't really account for. And they're being convicted of their sins. Right? And I can't still persist in lifestyles and sin, sin behaviors uh, that dishonor Jesus and aren't what God has for me. And so people start publicly repenting in a major way. One of the things they do... You know, witchcraft, sorcery, spells were popular in this region. They say, man, that doesn't honor God. God doesn't want us to, to, to put any of that stuff before him. So we're just going to burn it all. So they have a big bonfire in the public square. They bring all their sorcery books, all their spell books, and they put them in a big pile, and they, they, they light them on fire, and they burn that before the Lord, saying, hey, we're, we're turning away from that. We don't want to do that anymore. Um, a big public demonstration, right? A big public demonstration of them turning away from those sins. And the supernatural events that they witnessed shook people and they realized that God was real and that their sin was not something to mess around with, but take very seriously. So what about us? And what, what would that look like in our day, right? Um, we we may, may not see a big public burning of like witchcraft scrolls and stuff in the courtyard, but what does it look like for us today? What does it look like for us today? When Jack, Jack and I were in youth group years ago, uh, Christians would, would burn their, their CDs, right? They like bad, bad lyrics or language in them or uh, you know, pornographic magazines that guys had under their, under their bed. They, they, you know, they'd get together with some other Christian guys and go burn those things in the woods. Like, I think there's still a place for that, like just totally getting rid of something that you know is not pleasing to God. Now, what do we do in a digital media culture, right, where all that's digital, all that's online? Um, you got to figure that out between you and the Lord, but you and the Holy Spirit. Say, okay, God, if there's things in my life that are not pleasing to you, I want to get rid of them. I want to burn them up. I don't want anything to come between me and have a close relationship with you. If there's anything in my life that's not pleasing to you, God, I want to get rid of it. If it's digital, I want to delete it, or I want to like block that website, or whatever that needs to be. God, help me 
to take those drastic measures for anything that may keep me from knowing you, keep me from getting close to you, help me to revere the name of Jesus above everything else and not let anything come between me and God. So do we have that same holy reverence for the name of Jesus? Do we recognize the, the power of the name of Jesus in our own life? And one of the Ten Commandments is about the name of the Lord. It says to never take the name of the Lord in vain. You shouldn't take the name of the Lord in vain. Do not misuse the name of the Lord. Is the name of the Lord misused in our culture? Right? Everyday conversations, conversations you may hear on campus, may sit in the union. Do you hear the name of the Lord misused or said in vain? Yeah. Yeah, you do. And many people use the name of God, specifically the name of Jesus, as they would a curse word. Right? Right? They, they, they throw the name of Jesus there and use it like they would a curse word. This is obviously not showing God honor um, and, and, and respect. Um, before coming, becoming Christians, many of us maybe had really coarse language, right? That, that's something that's often difficult. A person comes to Christ and it takes a long time for the Holy Spirit to tame that tongue. Um, you know, some of our mouths before coming Christians were full of cursing. And even after coming to Christ, yeah, cursing can be a difficult habit to break. You know, the Bible is clear that, that no unwholesome talk should be in the mouth of believers, right? And you've got to figure out what does unwholesome talk look like today, right? Our, our, our generation. We've got to think about the kind of things we say and, and what that means to the Lord. Um, you know, the Bible is clear. Unwholesome talk should not be found in the mouths of the believers. God is not okay with our F-bombs and our cursing and our dirty jokes. But even more than that, we must be careful that we're not using the name of the Lord as a curse. Make sure we're not... You know, we stub our toe and yell out the name of Jesus like, like it's a curse, like it's a swear. Guys, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't use God's name flippantly like that. We need to hold God's name in a, in a high reverence. Um, we don't need to use the Lord's name as a curse as the world is in the habit of doing. Why? Well, number one, it's disrespectful. But even more than that, over time, as we misuse the name of the Lord, it trivializes it. Right? When people hear the name of the Lord, hear the name of Jesus as a curse or as a joke over and over again, it trivializes it. It loses its power in their eyes and in their minds. It loses its meaning, its weight in their mind. It no longer has the same value to people that it deserves, which is the opposite of God's purpose. God's purpose is the name of Jesus would be exalted, right? So that people can know to turn to Jesus, put their faith in Jesus, and be saved. The name of God is not something trivial for us to throw around, but there is real power in the name of the Lord. It's not, it's not that God doesn't ever want us to speak his name, but to respect his name and know when to speak it correctly, right? It's not, it's not don't ever say the name of Jesus. Do say it and know how to use it correctly. As Christians, we should know that there's tremendous power in the name of Jesus. I'm gonna, I want to look at two passages of scripture. Uh, the first is in the Gospel of John about what Jesus has to say about his own name. Right? It's his name. What did he have to say about his own name? John chapter 14. The Gospel of John chapter 14, starting in verse 12, Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I'm going to be with the Father. First of all, that's enormous, right? What are some of the works that Jesus did? He healed the sick, he raised the dead, he cast out demons, he fed hungry people with very little food, right? He, he works some miraculous signs. He says, oh, these things, you're going to do them too. And even greater things, because I'm going to the Father. That's a lot. That's a lot to unpack. That's a lot for us to think about. Verse 13, he says how that's going to happen. It's in the power of his name. You can ask for anything in my name, 
and I will do it. Ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that I can, the Son can bring glory to the Father. Verse 14, he repeats it. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Period. Exclamation point here in NLT. When we pray, asking God for something, Jesus says he will grant our request if we use his name. He says, man, ask in my name. I'm going to do it. My name has power. Ask God for something. Ask in my name, and I'm going to do it to bring God glory. Does this mean that we can just tag in the name of Jesus to anything and everything, and God's automatically bound to do it? No. No, of course not. God, God knows our hearts. Man, sometimes we ask and our motives aren't right. Ultimately, man, God's a good Father who knows what's best for us. But that does mean that we should ask for things in the name of Jesus. And it does mean that the name of Jesus has power, even miraculous power. We should believe Him for that in our own lives. This is a promise that I believe Jesus wants us to stand on. So boldly ask Him for things. Right? As, as we transition out of worship into this time, I had you raise your hand if there's a miracle that you need God to move in your life. And every single hand went up because we all need Jesus in a big way. Ask Him boldly in the name of Jesus to work in that situation and see if He won't show up in a major way. And God wants to answer your prayers. He wants to show up. And He says, why? To glorify the Father. To glorify the Father. He says, I want to answer that prayer because it brings me glory. It brings God glory when He answers His children's prayers in that way. And most important of all, in the name of Jesus is the power of salvation. Is the power of salvation. This will be the last passage we look at tonight. Romans chapter 10. Romans 10, starting in verse 9. You guys may be familiar with this passage. Romans 10 verse 9 says, If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we will be saved. Let's read that again. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God and confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. Verse 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so in the name of the Lord, in the name of Jesus, there's the power to save you. Save you from the bondage of sin. Save you from bondage to hell and death. Rescue you from that and make you right with God. That's in the name of Jesus, right? That power of salvation is in the name of Jesus. So not just the power to work miracles, not just the power to heal the, the power to save us is in the name of Jesus. We're saved by calling on the name of Jesus. There's great power in the name of the Lord when we use it in the right way. And pointing people towards Jesus, right? So that they can call on his name and living lives that glorify Jesus so that they know to turn on him and call on him um, is the way God wants us to honor his name. So Romans uh, chapter 10 continues in verse 14. Paul writes this. But how can they call on him to save them? Uh, sorry, let's start over. How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? Right? He, he, he's wanting you to think logically about this. Okay, we know if we call on the name of Jesus, we'll be saved. But how are people even going to know to call on Jesus? How can they believe in him if they've never even heard about him? That makes sense, right? There's people that never even heard about Jesus. How are they going to call on Jesus to be saved? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? 
Verse 15, and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. That's a quote from Isaiah chapter 52. So Paul's thinking logically, okay, it's in the name of Jesus that we're saved. There's power in the name of Jesus. Well, there's a lot of people out there that don't know that. And you got classmates and roommates and family members, they don't even know to call on the name of Jesus, right? And there's students on this campus, there's people in our city, there's people in our country and around the world, and they don't even know to call on Jesus. So Paul says, well, what about them? How can they know to call on Jesus if they never heard of Jesus? And how are they going to hear about Jesus if no one ever tells them? And who's going to tell them unless we're sent? We're sent. So our whole series man, ties into that concept, that idea of we are sent people. That's us, right? How are they going to hear unless someone's sent to them? Well, we know we've been sent. We've been sent. Each and every one of us that call on Jesus as Savior and Lord have submitted to Him, saying, I'm going to live my life in obedience to Jesus. Jesus tells us that we're to go into the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching everyone to obey everything that He commanded. He has sent us, right? He, he's, he's sent us to proclaim this name of Jesus, this name of Jesus that people can call on and be saved. How will anyone go and tell them without being sent? Someone who's far from God won't even know to call on the name of the Lord unless someone tells them. So it's our responsibility to glorify the name of the Lord, lift up the name of Jesus so that people can put their trust in Him and be saved. As individuals who have been sent by the Lord with a purpose, we should take care not to misuse the name of the Lord, but instead make the most of every opportunity to bring glory to His name. So about your life, right? Think about the role the name of Jesus plays in your own life. Do you hold the name of Jesus in high reverence? Or man, sometimes when you're having a careless moment, does the name of Jesus slip out like a curse word for you? Oh, God, help me with that. Holy Spirit, help me with that. Change my, you know, tame my tongue, change my language. I don't want to use the name of the Lord in vain. I don't want to trivialize the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord has power. So think about your own life. And do you hold the name of Jesus in that high regard? Are you using the name of, of Jesus to ask God boldly for things and miraculous things in different areas of your life? God wants to do that. God wants you to use his name in that kind of way. He wants you to then call on his name in that kind of way. As you speak to your friends about the name of Jesus, do you talk about Jesus like he's your Lord, like he's your king, like he's the best thing in the universe, right? So people around you are like, man, I don't know this Jesus. Shelby's been bragging on, right? I want to know this Jesus that Jasmine's been bragging on that's made such a big difference in their lives. I want to know this Jesus. Are we holding the name of Jesus in that, in that, that high regard? The name of Jesus, I mean, over the course of two years, totally transformed this city. And this city, went, Ephesus went from being intensely pagan, right, and, um, and full of evil spirits, demonic spirits, and witchcraft and idol worship, over the course of two years, as they witnessed the miracle power of Jesus, they heard the gospel preached, and the whole city began to revere the name of Jesus. Many people became Christians, but even the ones that weren't Christian understood, there's something to this Jesus, right? There, there's power in that name. What would that look like on our campus? Right? What would it look like on the University of Memphis campus if just there was an awe for the name of Jesus? Right? Whether you're Christian or not, you're like, hey, hey, well, let's not talk bad about Jesus, though, Right? But there's an awe, a reverence for the name of Jesus. No one would want to speak against the name of Jesus. Can you imagine? That was our campus. And how did it happen in Ephesus, right? Paul preached the gospel. He spoke boldly in the name of Jesus. God performed miracles. Uh, and, and awe for the name of Jesus grow. That's the same way it's going to happen here as well. 
And as we live out our faith in Jesus, as we share Jesus with our friends, as we share the gospel, the good news of what God's done for them, we share the, our testimonies, what God's done in our own life, as we speak boldly about Jesus, the awe, the reverence, the respect for the name of Jesus is going to grow, 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 grow around the University of Memphis campus, right? And I believe in the same miracles that we, we read about in the Bible, God's going to do those same miracles today, right, in our city, on our campus. God wants to use you. Right, to pray for, for, for friends, for roommates, for supernatural healings, for supernatural deliverance from, from addictions and bondage. God wants to use you in that same way, for miraculous power. Now, maybe it's not your sweatband or your apron, right, that touches someone and heals them, but there's still power in the name of Jesus, and you can ask boldly for God uh, to do those things in the lives of your friends, your family members, the people in your life, and He will. So I want to pray that it would start here, in our own hearts, that there would just be an increased reverence for the name of Jesus. Jackie, would you mind to come and play uh, when you walk into a room again? Um, you guys just, let, let's just seek the Lord together and ask God, the shift is going to happen in here first, right? Before we see the name of Jesus increase in reverence on our campus, it's going to have to increase in reverence here. And do we have that holy reverence for the name of Jesus? That, that it doesn't ever cross our lips flippantly or as a curse, that we have just a, a holy regard for his name, for his name. Just, just spend some time praying, seeking the Lord, the things you know are true about His name. Just speak those out. Just think about scriptures you know that talk about the name of God. And we already read one of them in Romans 10. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever puts their trust in Him and will never be put to shame. The Bible also tells us that the name of the Lord is a strong tower for the righteous to run into and be safe. The powerful name of Jesus. In your name, Jesus, there's power for healing, power for deliverance, power to break bondage and addiction. Jesus, you said in the Gospel of John, we could ask anything for you in your name, and you would do it to the glory of God the Father. God, help us to have that this holy reverence for your name, that honor for your name name above all names. Jesus, there is none like you or beside you. King of kings and Lord of lords. Help us to have your name in the proper regard, God. Help us not to trivialize it or to take it in vain, God. God, begin to change in us. Begin to change in our own hearts. begin to respect and honor the name of Jesus. That they would see our lives and know that we are believers, that we're followers of Christ. And they say, I, mean, I don't know about God, I don't know what I believe about all of that, but I see your life, I see the difference, I see there's something different about you. And their respect for the name of Jesus would grow. Their honor for the name of Jesus would grow. How can they call on the name of the Lord Jesus unless someone tells them? Who's going to tell them unless they're sent? God, would you send us? 
God, would you use us in the lives of the people around us to speak boldly in the name of Jesus. To boldly share the hope that we've found in you, the difference you've made in our life, God. To help us to make the most of every opportunity to glorify your name, Jesus. To work your name into conversations. To work our testimony, God, into, into our stories as we're sharing with people, as we're getting to know people, God. God, when we see a friend, a, a, a family member going through a difficult situation, I pray that we would pray boldly in the name of Jesus for you to be at work in that situation. We'd see your miracle working power, God, transform situations. That God, you would be glorified and hearts and lives would turn to you. God, would you do what only you can do? Do what only you can do. Jesus, magnify your name on our campus, God. God, I know this semester is drawing to a close. There's only a couple weeks left, God, but there's so many students that are so far away from you, God. In this short time that we have left, help us to make the most of every opportunity, every conversation, to share about the hope and the love and the peace that we found in you, Jesus. Classmates that we may not see again, God, help us to, to make the most of opportunities to share Christ with them. Roommates that may not be our roommates next semester. God, help us to make them. We've been dragging our feet all semester to share the Lord with them. God, would you help us not to be not to be afraid? God, would you get rid of cowardice and fear and just help us to be bold, bold to share the hope that we found in you. That family member that we've been putting off that conversation because, man, how are they going to react? What are they going to think? What are they going to say? God, help us to be bold. And lift high the name of Jesus and trust that you're going to show up in that situation in the power of your name. that you would bless each of these students, God, as students are preparing for tests and projects and papers, God, would you just lift anxiety and pressure, God, help them to do well in their classes, help them to finish the semester strong, God, God, as they're making plans for the summer, God, some of them need jobs and internships and to know where they're going to live this summer, some of them are graduating, and God, I need to hear a clear word from you about what does the next chapter look like, what's life look like after graduation, God, what do you have for me next, God, would you speak to your people with clarity. How would you guide us and direct us, God? And God, help us to live lives that glorify and honor you in every way. We love you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Amen. Amen.